Let's turn now to God's word. To the apocalypse. The apocalypse. Um, uh, years ago, somebody turned me on to Patton Oswalt as a comedian. And this is probably the only time Patton Oswalt has ever been referred to in a sermon uh, as anything other than a, uh, an object of... Uh, probably ever. Probably ever. Let's just, just face it. And if you ever see him, tell him. I, I, it was, one of the things he does is he, he's really excited about the apocalypse. And he talks to his whole riff. He just can't wait for the apocalypse because it sounds so cool. <laughs> I mean, it's just like the pictures in the Bible are so exciting. And he talks about he and his pockies, the guys who are in the apocalypse with him. <laughs> and he made my pockies are going to see it happen. There's going to be spinning razor blades, slicing off people's heads and fire dragons. And dude, this is fun. Right, if you find the Bible boring, if you find what I'm saying boring, start reading Revelation. Right now, I'm serious. Read the book of Revelation. It's the last book. And fittingly, it is the most exciting book in the Bible. I remember as a, as a kid reading it and how entranced you get. It's like a fantasy story. It's just wild. And I understand Patton's passion about it. How about the apocalypse? That sounds so cool. Uh, that's what we're looking at today. We're look at, look at Mark 13. We're going to take a look at Mark 13. We're not going to read the whole sermon today. We've read it several weeks in a row. I told with the idea of reading it and asking for questions and answers. I think that might be a mistake. Uh, there's a lot of questions about end times, things like that. We're not really gonna, I'm not really going to satisfy them, I don't think. And if you read this sermon carefully, you'll see why. Because Christ talks a lot about how you can know and you can't. This, this, this tension between ignorance about the end and, and knowledge about the end. And uh, what I'm interested in, though, is the three imperatives, the three commands, the three urgent instructions about the coming judgment that Christ repeats as well repeats this one command three times stay awake he even ends with an emphatic what I say to you I say to you all stay awake in our time uh, stay woke has become a byword of Black Lives Matter. And they're borrowing that from their her the heritage of the black church. Stay awake. It's one of the great calls of the scripture. Does anybody remember where else Jesus says stay awake? In the Garden of Gethsemane, which is just a few, like a day after this sermon. And so uh, as, things are as things are coming to a crisis, as things are coming unglued, as suffering is going to mount to a, to a terrible proportion, as the death of Jesus comes imminently, he said, stay awake. For some of you, it might even be, wake up. <laughs> right. Let's read it. We're just going to read the last part of it, and we'll see what we can get from it and through it by, by God's presence. So we're, uh, you'll see it's a long text, but we're not going to begin until, uh, let's see here. All right, let's begin in verse, let's try 24, yeah. So that's, uh, that's the second to last paragraph at the bottom there, but starting with, but in those days, as he winds up his, this great sermon. But in those days... After that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be 
shaken and then they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven from the fig tree learn his lesson as soon as this branch becomes tender puts out its leaves you know that summer is near also also when you see these taking these things taking place you know that he is near at the very gates truly i say to you this generation will not pass away until all these things take place heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away but concerning that day or that hour no one knows not even the angels in heaven nor the son but only the Father. But be on guard, stay awake, keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, and when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, and each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake, and therefore stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And I, what I say to you, I say to all, Stay awake. Let's pray. Oh, Father. No, oh, Father. Um, I'm just a sinful man who, who wants grace from you, wants to know that your love is real. And I'm not alone here, Father. We ask for tender mercies to open your, your, your love to us. Open the truth of the Bible to us. Oh, Father, dear Father, give us the Holy Spirit. Give me the Holy Spirit so I can speak and, 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 and give us all the Holy Spirit together so we can understand and wake up and know how to stay awake and know what it means to be awake. For I pray it in Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I have an idea here. So the end is coming. I'm going to put the end over here. The, oh, why did I do that? Uh, that didn't work. All right. This thing always looks like it's going to fall over. It hasn't yet. The end is coming. The end. The apocalypse. And are you ready? I remember a t-shirt. Uh, I remember just two verses of this t-shirt. One is a picture of Jesus. You can see him. He's got a crown of thorns. And he's looking up from the brow of the crown of thorns, and he looks kind of angry. Looks kind of angry in the T-shirt. I think it was popular back in the days of that, of this big music festival used to happen in, uh, in Illinois. I forget what it's called. Cornerstone. Cornerstone, thank you. And, uh, and, and he's looking up from, from the belief of the crown of thorns, and this is what it says, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, play on. All right, there's this thing called Terminator. <laughs> Get with the program, people. I, I'm not that out of touch, am I? We know this, these, these kind of tropes. There's another one uh, that I remember, and this is bumper sticker too. Uh, Jesus is coming back. Look busy. Uh, so the idea is, what, what the idea, what, what's, the, uh, what's the purpose of end time, end time description? Or the purpose, or what's the potential purpose? I remember when these were exciting things to talk about in the 80s, when my parents first came to Christ. And what's the purpose of it? Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. So 
What are you supposed to do in light of the end? Because as far as this text is concerned, if you want to read it while I'm talking, things are going to go from bad to worse to what? Awful. <laughs> I mean, this is going to get worse and worse. Persecution, war, uh, everything, everything's going to go. It's going to get bad. There is, and there is an arrow through history. History follows a trajectory to the, the end, or sometimes called the day of the Lord. Jesus is coming. Look busy. I, I want to say I'm bringing this up here. Um, that is not what the point of this text is. What I want to do here is, is, that, is that one of the things that, I'm, that religious people like to do is scare you. Right? And there's an appropriate, look, maybe you should be scared. I don't know. But fear and scare tactics or fear mongering or somehow like shape up or ship out. Watch it. He's coming. And, you're, and you get this face, oh, oh, I, I need to get serious about this. Oh, I got to, I got to stay. Oh, I got to, I got to, I got to. And, and it's, it, it, the, the human, or let's put it this fleshly, is this more Bible language, but there's, a, there's an innate response to the idea of the coming is, let's get ready, let's get ready, let's get prepared, let's become what? Let's become, as things get bad, worse, and awful, let's become better people. <laughs> because if we're better people, when God, Christ comes in the apocalypse, he's going to take, he's going to gather the elect, you heard that? He's going to gather us. And so if you're good enough, you get gathered. And if you can try somehow to correct all the mistakes you're making and cleanse yourself of all the mistakes you did make, and you, you can make the ledger work. Is anybody working on a ledger right now? Because that's, and that's the impulse we hear. We go, oh, okay. And so, Christ, and so we were tempt, might be tempted as Christ looks at the, he's about to die in two days. He knows it too. He knows they're going to crucify him. He knows they're going to torture him. And so he's preparing them. But I think you'd be sadly mistaken. Because what's the imperative three times? Imperative voice in Greek is extraordinarily strident. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's like octone with a big, big exclamation point. It's a, why? Do it. Stay awake, he's saying. And it, it's forceful. It's that visceral. Three times. He doesn't say, Deepak, become a better person. Why not? Because that would, admit, that would make Christianity and this story just another religion. And I don't want another religion. Do you? There's a smorgasbord in the city. Go, go find one. Christianity is not a self-improvement religion. It's an encounter with the active, present, eternal love of God. Now, today, because when he said, I say to you all, I am present in my love, he's saying. You cannot, you, we cannot get our heads around this. Because what Christ is doing in his person as he comes to the cross, and he's doing it all the time here, it's not what you think it is. Um, Christianity is not about moral reformation. Because if that's the case, Shao doesn't have a chance. It's about moral transformation by the presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus, by the will and power of the Father as he gathers his chosen in. 
this message at the end. This, I, I, all right, so that's, that's where I'm headed with this. I remember um, reading an enlightened article about Christianity. Very enlightened intellectual article by a feminist of all things. And it, was, it was interesting, interesting insights and criticisms. But one of the things that she said, with a sense of almost outrage and incredulity, something she thought was absolutely bizarre and amazing, it just had to be pointed out, was that evangelicals or a number of Christians have been, and this is the word, I remember when I read it in grad school, Christologers. She talked about the problem of Christolatry. What would Christolatry be? Any ideas what the definition of Christolatry is? Worshiping Christ. That's what she would... It's idolatry put next to Jesus' name. Christolatry. I guess it could be the worship of me, too. Couldn't it? <laughs> Chris, I don't I, I'm the one. I'm the only one who does that. Anyway, so so, anyway, so Christology. Do you get the odd, funny, the funny thing about that? And it was, and I think in that moment she nailed it. She heard and saw and perceived what I think is so dripping in the words of Scripture. Did you hear and see it? I'm telling you about the end of all things, and I will come on the clouds. It's just he's the Son of Man. But what does he say? This is wonderful. He almost miss it. He almost miss the casual grandeur of the king when he says what? Oh, by the way, the sun will go out one day. They didn't know that. That's a modern idea. But Jesus knew. The sun will go out one day. All of the mountains will wear down. All of the energy of the universe will one day go out like a candle. But not what I say. Not what I say. And I said, I love these people, and I will die for them. I love, and I transform. I love, and I gather in the wretched. I gather in the sinners. I gather them and take them home. Stay awake. <laughs> and uh, now, oh, guys, we, we miss it because what Christ is saying when he starts talking like, my words will never pass away, he's talking about this whole book, everything he said, every promise he laid, every invitation he made, every demon he cast out, every person he, he, he uh, healed. He's saying, what I have said, what I am done, who I am, what I do, none of it fades away, ever, period, never. And if it can, he is not who we said he is, and he's a fraud. If it could, he is not the Son of God. And I'm telling you today, he is the Son of God, because on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And this is why everybody who was in the New Testament got this text right away after he rose. You know that? You know why they knew it? They knew that this entire sermon, since Christ rose, we have been in the end times ever since. Because... It, Everything has changed. Death has been conquered and sin has been cured. Men and women now have the hope and promise of life. So wake up, sister, right? and stay awake, brother. Why? Because your salvation is near. Your, 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 your Savior stands ready. He is regal. He is powerful to save. And never forget that how, and so how shall we live? Judgment is coming. Don't get better. Get more Jesus. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You will get don't, you get better. Get more, get more of Jesus. 
That's what the foundation of a hope for the end times is built on, because he's the one that comes in the clouds. How should we do this? And this is what staying away is going to be like. You need to know who he is. You need to know what he says. And you need to know what he did and what he's going to do. And wrap it up and make it. Oh, stay awake. Stay awake. So the second, the the first thing about staying awake. um, What's a bad version of stay awake? Caffeine pills. Has anybody ever tried caffeine pills like no-dose? I hate these things. Does anybody else start shaking when you start doing this? It's in the stomach starts crawling. And you're like, oh, gosh, this is awful. But at least I'm not going to fall asleep, you know? I had all sorts of techniques for staying awake. Uh, I used to do long trips in car. And one of my favorites, I'll, I'll confess some sin today. Uh, every, everybody, um, most of you, everybody, you can smoke, you can drink, or you can cuss. You can only pick two of those sins. You can't pick all three. Uh, only preachers get to do all three. So uh, regular people, you only get two. It's a perk. All right, so I used to put a big thing of Kodiak dip with it right there. Huge, nasty thing of chewing tobacco right in my lip. I never fell asleep. Going down the road, 40 hours on the road, I was fine. We're wasted. We can stay awake, right? We can. There's things we can do to kind of whoop us up, and maybe we can, maybe we can, maybe we can poke each other. We can set alarms. We can. And, and there's all sorts of human ideas we have about what it means to stay awake uh, and stay woke. It, the Black Lives Matter. They're inviting us to 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 be aware of injustice, to be alert, and to not accept injustices. Are stay awake and preserve your outrage, for example. That's a way you can kind of stay awake and aware of what's going on and, and you know, poke yourself, do it. But all those, all those techniques of poking or putting a big dip in, I don't recommend it. Did I sound like I was recommending it? No, I didn't. It's, uh, it's, it's, please don't, because you'll throw up the first time you take it. It's terrible, terrible stuff. Don't do as I do, do as I say. <laughs> that was an old, sorry. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> But every one of them is, a, is this aggressive tactic that doesn't really make any change in you because you're still tired. <laughs> life and life will wear you out too. I get that. That's not what's going on here. It's not inviting you by the force of your will to stay alert. Mm-mm, not at all. There's two things it's doing. We'll look at those two things today and hopefully grow, grow them. What does it mean to stay awake? First of all, let's address what's putting us potentially, what? To sleep. I might be a little surprised here. What puts us to sleep? What puts you to sleep? And I wonder if to sleep, what sleep is Jesus talking about? Somebody asked me, you'll enjoy this, I called. Somebody asked me, I think it was Thursday or Friday. Hey, Chris, what are you preaching about Sunday? One of my best friends. And I said, oh, it's that passage in Matthew, Mark 13, where he says, stay awake, you know? And he said, oh, what are you going to do with that? I said, well, I want to talk about how, you know, we try, we, we, we t- we're slowly numbing ourselves and putting, putting ourselves to sleep. And he goes, oh, you mean like how I get high every night at 10, so I don't have to deal with the kids? <laughs> That's the first thing he said. <laughs> oh, you mean after I've had a bottle of wine and I smoke a joint, so I don't feel anxious anymore? Is that what you're talking about? I'm like, yeah, thank you. That was very helpful. <laughs> What's one of the ways? 
all the things we do to numb ourselves. And it works. I mean, it does. There's a, it's a temporary solution, but it has that same kind of trying to keep yourself like persistent. And I, I'll tell you, there's nothing better than sexual sin if you want to sleep. I'm serious. You know why? Sexual sin deadens your soul like, like that. I don't care if it's pornography. I don't care if it's promiscuity. I don't care if it's casual sex. What it does is it, it just, the heart just all of a sudden like dies. Have you ever noticed when you've done something really bad sexually you don't feel guilty about? It? You know why? Not right away. Sometimes you do, but a lot of times you just numbs you. Well, I love her. I love him. Well, I feel that. You might feel shame, but it's a soporific. It numbs. How, how do you numb? Any, any, any volunteers? Who numbs by clicking on the computer at the next item on the Amazon recommendations banner? How many times have you scrolled on the Amazon recommendations banner just to see what else they think you might like? And how did they know? A little going through your past history, right? But what do we do? That we, what do we do with these little these little things where they like clicks like that, or just maybe it's just entertainment? It's just a good movie, and it's funny. A lot of these things are good things, right? A lot of these, sex is a good thing. These are good things God gave. What do we do with them, though? We use them to numb. I want to sleep. Wake up. <laughs> Stay awake, and start addressing the ways in which you numb yourself. There's another way you might be surprised, though. Another way we numb ourselves is through being more busy than anybody else. You know why busy people are so self-righteous, aren't they? <laughs> Who's to say, is there any self-righteous, busy people here? He's like super, super busy. Oh, thank you, Brittany. Thank you. I was thinking of you. So it's so Deepak, yeah. And, and so, oh, I'm so busy. And what is this activity? This is actually a great pitfall for preachers. Where they do a lot, I do this. I fill my schedule up so nobody can ever say I'm lazy. But... I'm not staying awake. I'm not really staying awake. I'm just filling in. There are, in the church today, especially here in San Francisco, spiritual laziness through extraordinary busyness is the crime of the hour. Because you can't really be lazy around here in this city unless you're unimaginably wealthy. <laughs> you gotta hustle. But what do you do with the hustle? It's another way of falling asleep. You look busy, but you're not busy about our Father's business, of the chase for Jesus. Now, those are the two pitfalls I see, busyness and pleasure, as ways of falling asleep. What does it mean to stay awake then? Christ is alerting you, saying awake right now. He's alerting you as he drops hints about his grandeur. He's alerting you to knowing him, to fixing and leading him. You see, I love this. He starts describing these end times, end times realities and the four winds and the, and the elect and all the tribulation that will be in those days and all the things that are going from bad to worse to awful. And then he knows, but he knows that the trick is not to get better because he's coming in the apocalypse or because judgment is coming, but it's to hide from judgment in the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, that is where rest is and all the alertness of the gospel. 
You see, when you finally realize that Jesus came to rescue sinners, not good people, if you think you're a good woman, you're doomed, and the judgment is yours. But no, the judgment doesn't belong to those who are sinners who hold on to Jesus. And there's nothing more alert, there's nothing more awake, there's nothing more aware than a sinner, than one ruined in their guilt and shame, who is alive because they know Jesus loves people like them. And that's what our place is as a church. I'll tell you something. I don't know whether God will throw San Francisco into the sea. I don't know. Or burn it down. I don't know. But I will thank God. He didn't judge me yet. He didn't judge me when I didn't know him. And if he showed mercy to me and my family in their drugs and their Buddhism and, and all their lost, and their, the, he showed us mercy, then why not mercy here? Not, why not now? Why not in this place? And we've been, and, I, and just, you know, one of the things he talks about in here is about how the gospel has to go forward to all nations. And when you're before synagogue rulers, you're before judges, and you're before kings, they'll give you the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the, the posture of the people of God, alert by the love of God, because they were awakened out of sin and death and judgment to new life in the love of Jesus, which stands forever, is now there are people who are what? Standing. If this city is going into the sea, I, I pray to God that I will be here in it when it does. Standing and bearing witness and calling people to the love of God to, renew, to know Jesus and his greatness and to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. That's our purpose. Our purpose was not to get off the sinking ship. Our purpose is to get on the ship and tell people about the love of God. To wake up. Oh, look, the iceberg's coming, guys. <laughs> I don't think it didn't stop the end. And it's going to be bad. It's going to be worse than we even think. What are we to do? Wake up. All right. Some of you waking up to Jesus' love for the first time and waking up to yourself as a sinner. It's a big order of business that might be happening today. I don't know. That's what I'm praying for. And some of us will be waking up for the first time. Jesus shining on you. It says in Ephesians, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and let Christ shine on you. Maybe as you begin to see Jesus now for the first time in his glory, who is he? He's the son of God. What did he say? I came to love sinners and die for them on the cross and rise from the dead to show that judgment no longer lives. <laughs> who is he? What has he done? What is he coming back? What has he said? What has he done? He died for a sinner like me. Now, when you grasp that, awakening happens. And you know, judgment is not for you. Judgment is coming. But it already came on Jesus for you. It already came and went. So when the last times come, what do you do? Well, you lean in more to Jesus and finding him. Now, I can't, I wish I could explore all this because I know our time is up. But he says, pray when the end times come, pray that it doesn't come in winter. If you don't think that's odd, you're not paying attention. Uh, all right, this picture of Deepak's right here. Oh, here's Deepak right here. Right here. In the midst of all the judgment of God that's coming. And he knows Jesus. He's allowed to pray to God and tell his friends about, about Jesus 
in the midst of this unfolding apocalypse. Look, they're in the space. It's happening right now. There's a moral apocalypse that's happening right now, for example. But even as all that's happening, he need not be afraid because he's allowed to talk to God, chase Jesus, lean in and know him, and tell folks about him. And that's what we're doing. And that's how you stay awake. You stay awake by coming to worship. That's your problem, Strzok. That's the problem you're always going to have when you work life balance. And he's not alone. A lot of you have it too. If you do not attend church, you do not attend the worship of God, you will fall asleep. You need to stay awake. Why? Not because I'm going to sit here and whip you over the head with how bad you are. Because I want to, hopefully, if I'm doing what God has told me to do, I'm going to sit standing here telling you how good Jesus is. <laughs> and if you hear and see, and you can know, and you can apprehend, and perceive, and grab, and lean into how his goodness as the king, that's, that's, that's what being awake is. <laughs> you are awake to eternal things. You are awake to an eternal love that has chased you and loved you like nothing else. You're aware that you're awake to the fact that your sin has been no obstacle to the grace and mercy and love of Jesus. Your sin will pass away. His love will never pass away. Um, What I say to you, I say to you all, Stay awake. Let's pray. I hope by your mercy and your grace to have proclaimed you as Lord of all creation, Lord and Savior of men and women and sinners. I pray, Father, that I would have perceived, somehow portrayed your Son as my Savior and our Savior. I entrust the judgment of my soul to you, because of the cross. If anybody here is asleep in their sin, I pray you would awaken them. If anybody here has dozed off, dozed off in their busyness or their pleasures or their forgetfulness or their work-life balance, whatever it is, I pray that they would wake up and lean into you. They would know your son and thank you so much that I don't have to be better. We don't have to become a good people, somehow better, to stand in the day of judgment. We just need a better, a better Savior. We need your Son. Holy Spirit, please seal in us the reality and tactile, the reality of your grace as we come to the table. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay awake, all right? So, uh, as I said before, staying awake is, it, I always get concerned about telling people to come to church because it's like a conflict of interest. Of course I want you to come to church because, you know, it's what I do for a living. But, please hear me again. If I haven't said it before, that if, you, if it's, you have a problem going to this church, go to some other church. I don't care. You must lean into and find Jesus. It's the only thing that matters. Why? Because on the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. In the same way, he also took a cup of wine, saying, this is my blood, the cup of the covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink eternal realities in a cup, in a plastic cup. (laughs) Go figure. Heaven and earth shall pass away. 
His love shall never pass away. And that's why we come every week to grab it. It is the first way we apply this message, right? So I invite you, if you are a sinner broken in your sin, if you are a sinner and a man or a woman ruined by your pleasures or your busyness or your self-love or your mistakes or your sexuality, I don't care what it is. I don't care where you've been. And neither does he. Turn to him now. Wake up. This table is for sinners. Let me put up a barrier that no man can open. If you, for one moment, think that you need to be better to find Jesus and better to know him, and you must be better in order to go to heaven, or you must be better to escape judgment, and must be a good woman, and must balance the ledger, or a good man, and do more good than bad, then you stand condemned in your sins. For Christ says, no man comes to him, no woman comes to him, worthy of him. Good people are not allowed at the table. Only sinners. Only wretches. You know why I became a church planner? Honestly, so I can say that every week because it's the only way I can get to this table. You get that? It's the only way I get here. It's the only way I get here. And if people aren't going to say it to me, I'm going to say it so I can get here. If you're cynical and you're skeptical of everything I've said, that's okay. Just watch. Watch me, watch us, and Maybe, maybe someday you'll understand why I believe this. We don't mean any disrespect, though, by saying you shouldn't come. Just watch and observe us as we partake of eternal grace. <laughs> All right. Um, here's the drill. We're going to do the Nicene Creed. It's 8326. It's a little bit long. It's okay. It's a lot of theology. And, you know, to be honest with you, we all really need a lot of theology. So, uh... We're going to read that together as our common confession of truth. Then, uh, should you agree or assent to these parts and pieces that we have said, or if you trusted God with your, with, your, with your sin, will you please come forward and get the table, get the cup and the wine while we're singing? We'll be singing a song together and praising God. Come forward and get it and take it back, take it back to your seat. In the center area, this lighter, the lighter uh, red juice here is grape juice. This is wine. And so we're going to take and eat it all together at the end, and we're done. We can go to go home or be together, have lunch. I, I invite you to, uh, uh, if you're a guest today, uh, uh, I'll take you out for lunch. <laughs> That'll be fun. I, I like to do it if you want, if you'll let me. But uh, we're going to get lunch down at uh, a place called The Market, which is right down here at, uh, in the Twitter building at 10th, uh, 10th and uh, the corner of 10th and uh, Market Street. We're also going to have a time prayer for kids. Um, and that's going to be happening in the back by the water uh, for those who will pray with kids, pray with children. Ian, will you help with the prayer with the children, please? Ian will do that. And Charlotte, will you help Ian do that? Charlotte and Ian will stand in the back there and just uh, uh, during communion just pray for children when people bring their children to you. Thank you. All right, let's stand. Oh, I'm going to need my glasses for this. All right, the Nicene Creed. Council of Nicaea. Sorry. Tell me, Christian, brothers and sisters, Church of God, what do you believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not created, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men for our salvation came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary, and was made man, was also crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> come. <clears throat> 